it's almost like you get this kind of burst of podcast visibility and then other podcasters start to hear you and they're thinking, oh, Christina is totally open to being a guest on podcast. I'm going to invite her. We start looking at speaking opportunities and then we start looking at bigger podcasts because they start getting asked to be on shows and they just need me. We continue to pitch new ones, but it's just, it transitions a bit from the person who was just starting to get on podcast. Okay. I'm not going to lie. This may be one of the most favorite episodes that I've recorded in a while. Like Angie and I go off on tangents here and you're going to enjoy them because they are like real life and real entertaining and real helpful, I promise. Um, But before we get to the episode, I want to make sure that you know to go to the show notes because Angie is sharing something amazing with all of you. It's at angietrueblood.com slash media maven. So if you're not in a place where you can like bookmark that and visit that now, then just make sure to visit it in the show notes, angietrueblood.com slash media maven, because she is going to help you with all of the things, the roadmap, the blueprint, like everything you need to start pitching yourself to be a guest on podcasts. And in this episode, you're going to hear why you should be doing it and how to do it correctly. Because there's a lot of competition out there, and we want you to stand out from the competition, and we don't want you to make an ass out of yourself while you're pitching yourself. So if you go to angietrueblood.com slash mediamaven, she is going to help you. And we are sharing all kinds of things here, you guys. We're talking about the mistakes people make when they're pitching, how to fix those mistakes, how to find podcasts that are a good fit, and then also thoughts on pay-to-play, because this is like a new thing. You'll pitch to be on a podcast and people will say, oh yes, that will be $5,000 please. And you'll be like, what? We're going to talk about that too. And we're going to tell some personal stories um, back and forth, both me and her. So you don't want to miss this episode. One of my favorites so far. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Angie, thank you for coming on my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. And we're going to talk about something that is totally my jam that you actually just started a podcast about. So tell us what it's called. Yeah. So the podcast is called Go Pitch Yourself. And as we are recording, it is officially one week old. <laughs> That's awesome. So by the time this airs, it'll be like three months old. Still yeah. an infant. Totally. To- still not sleeping through the night at all. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us, um, obviously we are talking about podcasting specifically here. And I think this is such an important topic because I tell people, um, obviously I'm a big believer and you should be everywhere all the time when it comes to media because we all get our information from different forms of media at different times. But I love podcasts for experts because it's where I believe you see the quicker ROI. It's just something about a podcast listener. They are more willing to invest in their hobbies and their lifestyle and their business, whatever it may be. So start off by telling me how you got involved in not just listening to podcasts, but being a guest on podcasts and then actually helping people pitch themselves to be on podcasts. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it actually happened because I saw the success that I was having by pitching myself to podcasts in a previous business. So when I first transitioned home from the corporate world, I transitioned home with actually a direct sales company and then morphed that into my own business where I helped other busy mothers learn how to meal plan crazy enough. And Very quickly, because my background is sales, I saw the value of connecting with folks who had complementary businesses to what I was helping my clients with. So I started pitching myself to relevant podcasts, and I saw that I was gaining Facebook group members and email subscribers very quickly on the days that these shows were released. And I remember talking to friends of mine asking, well, how did you get on this podcast? Or how did you get interviewed by the local news? And my answer was always, I just asked. I just sent the pitch. And I really led with the value that I could provide the other people's audiences with. And I started to realize through these conversations that that approach, just ask, didn't really resonate with a lot of folks out there in the business world. A lot of people don't love sales and pitching the way that I do and the way that you do. But it's such an important part of business growth that I started to lean into that a little bit more as people were more interested in what I did and how I did it. So I took on a couple of clients to sort of pressure test the waters, loved it. I initially started pitching all different types of media and recognized that I was falling in love with podcasts, specifically because I felt like I was connecting to people, to one another. I'm definitely a super connector at heart and I felt like I was basically just introducing two people who I loved and forcing them to have a conversation. (laughs) And I saw the impact that it could have with my clients and the longevity also that they were able to get from that one sort of media push. And it had me hooked. So I'm going on two years now of being in this space and I love it. I love it. And I also want to, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, like you talk about connecting to people. And I feel Mm -hmm. like when it comes to pitching traditional media versus pitching podcasts, you, I mean, obviously in anything, relationships help. But I think you could get traditional media hits easier without a relationship than you can on podcasts. I feel like because... Traditional media, like a journalist is is working for a boss. That's their job. They have a job to tell a story to interview people. When you have a podcast, you are a solopreneur. You're your own boss. You determine who goes on that podcast and what you talk about. You don't really have a boss. So people are more likely to bring somebody on that they have a relationship with, or they're more likely to bring somebody on if it's a referral from a friend. So I think that is a big distinction between traditional media and podcasting. And um, in addition, it is something that, like you mentioned, um, it just holds this, it's a different kind of media. Like you fell in love with podcasting over the other forms and it is different and I think it does help people in a different way. And like I mentioned with the the expert example, I think it's where you're going to see a quicker ROI. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And I feel like for folks who are just starting to put themselves out there and to start pitching themselves, whether they do it on their own or they hire someone like us to do it for them, 
I feel like it's such a great way to put yourself out there and almost hone what your expertise is and your messaging than some of the other forms. Obviously, print media is a different ballgame, but a lot of people will come and, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about it. They want to get into speaking. Well, speaking on a stage is a whole different ball of wax than speaking on a podcast and having a conversation with someone. So I feel like it's a great entry point too. You don't have to have a lot of media contacts. It's it's not always a numbers game how some of other forms of media might be. And if you can really focus on how you can connect and serve someone else's audience authentically, the chances of you getting selected are are really high. And that's not always the case in some of the others that I was finding. So for me, it does go back absolutely to the relationships and it also being a great first step for folks. And I'm sure on the Go Pitch Yourself podcast, you're going to talk about tips, tricks, strategies, mistakes, wins, all of the things. But if you could break something down, just b- break down some of the big things here for us on this podcast episode, the biggest mistakes that you see people making when they pitch to be a guest on a podcast? Sure. I mean, hands down, and you know this because you get pitched all the time. I have not yet. I actually have gotten pitched, but not at the volume that podcasters who have been out for a while have. But the biggest mistakes mistake is folks don't personalize the pitch. They come up with a templated pitch, which I am all in favor of in the name of efficiency. But they don't change it for who they are pitching to. And I actually have on Instagram, I've been slack over the last week or so, but I have a weekly series to where I share bad pitches and how to change them and make them better. But it really is that they're sending the same email to any podcast out there that hosts guests and hoping that it works. It's typically called the spray and pray approach. And Someone out there has shared with folks that if you just mention an episode number and a guest that they've had on, that that checks the box for personalization or proving that you're familiar with the show. And that doesn't. You really need to understand who that person is serving and craft a topic that is relevant to that audience. So that's, I mean, that's hands down the biggest mistake that I see people make. That's a good one. I would agree. Okay. And I love that you're sharing bad pitches and making them better on your Instagram. So what's your Instagram so we can, we can creep this. Yeah. So it's Angie underscore true blood. It's very fancy. Okay. I like <laughs> it's my name. I like that. But you have a fancy name. I told you that when, oh, that's um, right. when we were at podcast movement, when we first met, I was like, Angie true blood, that's an amazing name. And then you were like, wait, I know you. And then that's how we kind of connected. That yeah, totally. Fun. Cause I had creeped on you. Like when I first started this business, I remember listening to every, this is another reason that you should be on podcast. I listened to every podcast interview that you had given because you were in the space that I was looking to get into. And your interviews were gold because you, you didn't hold back any of your expertise. So I appreciated that. Oh, well, thank you. I don't hold back a lot. Some people (laughs) love it. Some people hate it. But hey, it is what it is. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. So they don't personalize the pitch for who they're pitching to. Big mistake. And it is funny that you mentioned, oh, they'll just pull out an episode number and a guest name and they'll think that's enough. And it's true. It's so obvious when people do this. Like it's sometimes it's even in like a different font or size (laughs) because you didn't even like copy and paste the whole thing. 
to make it like all uniform. <laughs> so don't make awesome. it that obvious, people. Um, that's hilarious. Okay, so what should people do? How do you personalize a pitch to where it's obvious you actually are a fan or a listener or a follower? Well, you write the email, or if it is in a form, you write it like you are communicating with another human from another human. So even in that first paragraph or the first few sentences, I always like to almost restate what that person does, but I gather that information by looking at the show's iTunes description and listening, especially to the intro of the podcast and looking at their website. So you really just make it clear that I get what you're doing and I get how you're trying to help these people that you're serving. Another another don't do is if you're doing sort of a podcast pitching sprint, which I, I encourage people if they're looking for kind of a shot of visibility to pitch a good number of podcasts in a certain period of time, but you, you need to pitch each one authentically. Don't say, I love your podcast, if you really aren't a fan of it and haven't been listening. I come out and say, I recently discovered your podcast, and I love how you're serving X, Y, and Z to X, Y, and Z. So really recognize and share with them, I get what you're doing, and I see who you're serving, and then bridge the gap between what you do and how that might be important to their audience. So that really is, it's really in those first couple of sentences that I feel like you can make or break the pitch by how you show up as a human, honestly, because we've all seen the robotic pitches that just go out to anyone. So you just really need to connect with them. And that's the section of personalization that's so important. I like that. And I feel like people, they do these podcasting pitching sprints, um, especially when they have a book coming out because they want, you know, a lot of sales right away for the book. And I had a situation, I guess we could share this on um, Angie underscore True (laughs) Blood on Instagram. I had a situation where (laughs) this person was their publicist, bless them. And they pitched me and the pitch was okay. Like it wasn't a bad pitch, right? And they were talking about her book coming out. And I was like, sure, let's schedule it. And in between the scheduling and the actual recording, I'll give you a hint. uh, Let me jump forward. (laughs) The actual recording did not ever happen because in between the pitching and the actual recording, this publicist, I don't know how many times she emailed me and it was all about this person's book. And could you please release the podcast at this time? And this is what we want to talk about. And this is what's in the book and blah, 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 blah. And this is the thing. If I knew you, if we had a relationship, I'm happy to move around my calendar. I'm happy to help you promote your book. But I did not even know this person. This person wasn't even a referral. This was like a random that I was like, oh, it's a good pitch, good topic, whatever. But by like, the third or fourth or fifth email when all we're talking about is this freaking book and when yeah. you want me to air my my episode, I was like, nope, this isn't going to work out. We're, I don't like just bring randoms on to promote their book. No. Happy to talk about your expertise. Happy to fit you in my content calendar. But no, this isn't going to work. And I never recorded the episode. And Angie, just like before we started recording, I told you, I said, okay, so in my calendar, I have this coming out around the end of 2019, like just to give you a heads up because I record a lot of these in advance. Um, And like, I'm happy to move things around depending on, on 
what you need and how I can help you. But I'm more likely to do that if we have a relationship. But when it's like your publicist, like blowing up my inbox, it's yeah. not going to happen. Well, you make so a couple of points about actual book launches and the publicist piece. I had there's a set of podcasters that I adore and they hired me when they came out with their book because they weren't getting quite as much traction in the podcast space as they had hoped for. And their publicist was great. I mean, they were booking them on incredible media opportunities. But when I looked at the pitch, it just wasn't relevant for podcast pitching. So you know, podcast pitching is so much about the story and how you're going to connect with that audience, whereas press releases and pitching to traditional media, there's definitely the story component, but it's not necessarily that sort of warm relationship that you want to foster. And so we made a couple of tweaks and we were able to get them on some bigger named podcasts. The second thing, and I'm starting to not shy away from taking on authors because I recently worked with an author and her book launches today. I'm super excited, but it is hard if you know you're going to be cold pitching for a client or cold pitching for yourself to, and I don't promise, I loved that episode that you recorded a couple of months ago, I think, about how as PR folks and publicists, there's no real guarantee what we're going to deliver, but I even now share more with my clients up front about even if you have a launch date for your book, I cannot promise that these episodes are going to record and release around the time of it because it's really about what that host wants for their audience and they might have a content plan. Some people plan by themes, you know, and if your expertise doesn't fit into that, they are not going to be willing to move around their release schedule for you. So it has just solidified in my mind exactly what you're saying, that there's no real guarantee that this is going to coincide with their launch in a perfect way. Yeah, exactly. I know what episode you're talking about. I think it was one of my very blunt titles, The Five Lies. I loved it. <laughs> the Five Lies PR agencies and publicists are telling you. Yes. That was episode 44. Yeah. That's when I knew we would be friends. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much. Like, there's just so much craziness. And then especially, you know, everybody thinks they're a publicist online today and they're selling you a lot of these lies and you people are buying it because it sounds nice. Like, stop it. Yeah. You can't stop be doing it. that. Yeah. No. Okay. So... How do you go about finding these podcasts where you would be a good fit? I mean, obviously, we all want to be on the podcasts that everybody's listening to that get millions of downloads. But re realistically, hundreds of people are pitching them, and they're probably hand-selecting their own guests anyway at that point. So how do we find podcasts that are good fit for us and our business and our brand? Yeah, so the bigger podcasts absolutely take a bit more relationship leveraging. And so I tend to not pitch my clients for some of the ginormous ones. That's my official word for it. And but they're so, all going to tell you they want it. No, this is what we want. This is what they want. That's my pet peeve with all my clients. Sorry if y'all are listening. But it's like <laughs> they go straight to like the biggest and baddest. Like, oh, yeah, that's really easy. Let me just make a phone call and get you in there because nobody else yeah. is asking for it. Please. Yeah. And those are really complicated pitches. I mean, and I'm working on two for different clients right now. And I'm having to dig deep into their network to see, do you know anyone that knows this person so that we can pitch in a traditional way, but then have someone that knows them sort of vouch for you. So it takes a much more surround sound approach. 
to get to some of those bigger podcasts. And but even the, sometimes you, that's not enough. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't, you know, I still think it's probably not even 50 50, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna put our best foot forward and see what happens. But that's why I always take sort of a broad approach to the types of shows that we pitch folks for. So we'll typically pitch to people that are roughly at the same level audience wise, as much as we can gauge. I mean, in the podcast space, we don't get download numbers. You know, we can just kind of gauge by reviews, engagement that we see across social platforms to get an idea of the number of listeners that they have. So we always start with folks that are right around their same audience size and then a bit beyond so that they can get greater exposure. But I use iTunes and Apple podcast as a search engine. So a great place to start is if you already know And it's different for you and I, because you're right. Sometimes clients will come in with really grand ideas. But if you do know a podcast that's around the same audience size or a bit bigger than you, you can always go into iTunes and search for that. And if you vet it and look at audience size and, oh, yes, they are still recording episodes and, oh, they do take guests and you see that this could be a potential fit There's that great feature the listeners also subscribed to when you scroll to the bottom of the podcast episodes in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and I use that all the time. Once we land on something that's a great fit, I see what else those listeners are listening to, and then go ahead and vet those podcasts to see if those might also be a good fit. So Obviously, if you know a great fit for you, you start there, but then identifying different verticals to pitch to. So I have a client right now who is a sales expert, and we're pitching to your traditional female business entrepreneur type podcast, but that's a really saturated market because every female entrepreneur knows that podcasts are a great visibility outlet, so they're pitching to those But we have honed in, she loves working with photographers and folks in the more creative spaces. So then we pitch more specific niches for her because if we can get her and we have on a photography podcast and she shows up as the sales expert, most likely she's the only sales expert popping up on that photography show. And so then she becomes sort of the go-to expert in that niche for that show and the listeners. So that's kind of the first steps that we take in searching for podcasts. I like that. And I think that's a good reminder to people to like start small and work your way up. And everybody just wants to go big right away. And they don't understand that this stuff takes time, not just in podcasting, but in any form of media. Um, So that's great that you said that. Okay, so now I have another question for you. Yeah. Your thoughts, because I had a another recent experience here that we'll talk about. But first, I want to I get... love this. <laughs> it's so juicy over here. Yes. Um, yes. Your thoughts on people who have changed the format of their podcast to a pay to play platform. I love you so much, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know there's a good story coming here? <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I have invited someone that has a pay-to-play model on my show, and I'm hoping that in 2020 we will get that interview. So honestly, on the my, my initial thoughts are it's their show. It's their asset that they have created. They can do whatever the heck they want to do with it. And I see the value that folks have created platforms that are big enough that folks are craving to get on them. To me, it's very similar to sponsored guest posts. 
right? So blogs came out and eventually people saw, oh, I've created an audience large enough that I could actually monetize people coming on and providing content for them. Where I would like to see a bit of a shift is I think there should be some disclosure around it. You and I know that there are certain podcasts in certain places that you have to pay to get on and to get featured, but the average listener has no idea. Would that change how they interpret the content? I don't know, but I do feel like they should know. So I just, I'm fine with it. Do whatever you want with your own asset, but I feel like there should be some sort of disclosure so that listeners can decide how they want to kind of interpret what they hear. And legally, you kind of have to tell them that people are paying to be there. Just like if somebody pays me to post something on my Instagram, I need to use hashtag ad. I need to tell you that it was paid for. Same with a sponsored blog post. And I think because this pay-to-play platform is growing and evolving, people are getting tricky about the way they even tell you you know they'll say oh this isn't paid to play this is sponsored or this is an advertorial like it's the same freaking thing like stop trying to make it fancy yeah and I do think so I was going to tell one story but now I'm going to tell two because (laughs) because you reminded me of another one um back in the day Probably three years ago, I was on a very popular podcast. It was not pay to play then. I would never pay to be on a podcast. Mm -hmm. I would never pay for any media, honestly, just because um, when you pay to be somewhere, you lose your credibility and you use your authority. It's an advertisement. Yeah. So I was on a podcast and very popular. And um, a few, probably maybe a year, year and a half later, this person sent out an email to his whole list, which I thought was not wise, but he did. And he said, now, if you want to be on my podcast, you need to pay $5,000. After that, I stopped listening to his podcast because Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so now he's just going to bring you on if you pay him. So you may not be an expert. You may not know what the hell you're talking about. You just want to spend 5,000 bucks and get the publicity. Okay, but that doesn't mean I'm going to learn anything from you. That doesn't mean you're good at what you do. You're just paying to be there. So that was my interpretation of him telling everybody, now people on my show are paying to be there. Like it just lost credibility for me. I asked a similar question to someone at Podcast Movement who does have a pay-to-play model, and it might be the same person. Might be. And (laughs) I love how we're just dancing so delicately right now. Um, And I, I do feel like there's still vetting that takes place, right? And so one of the things that I've heard from someone who does have a pay-to-play model is that when you become so popular, just the influx of pitches becomes almost unmanageable and that that was almost like a gatekeeping approach to really only inviting folks on who were serious about being on there. And I did get the sense that this person also still vets the guests very well. But I also agree with you. I think knowing that does change how I interpret the shows. You know, when I, there's a couple of shows that I know are pay to play. And when I go and I look at them, it just, there's something different in the way that I look at that title and I look at that guest than I did before. You're probably thinking in the back of your mind, would this person be here if they didn't just pay you a bunch of money? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yep. 
And then on the flip side, I pitched a client to a podcast. And this podcast apparently, another one I was on, it wasn't pay to play. Now apparently it is. Um, he he was said, oh, I'm pay to play now. And I said, okay, well then just, um, I actually, I don't handle advertising for the client. I do all earned media. So just pass along your numbers so I can, you know, run them by the client. And he yeah. didn't want to do that. And I'm thinking, what? you can't sell an advertisement and not tell me what I'm buying. And he was like, well, you either want to be on the podcast or not. And I'm like, well, yeah, I think it's a great fit. But if he's going to have to pay me to earn him media and then pay you for the advertisement, you have to tell me how many downloads. Are you sharing Absolutely. it with your email list? What's your open rate? Are you sharing it on social media? What's your social media engagement like? And he didn't want to give me any numbers. He just wanted to charge me. And I'm thinking, nobody in their right mind would no. pay for an advertisement without any kind of numbers to tell them what they're paying for. So if you are going to, like Angie said, I mean, if you are going to say, this is my platform and I want people to pay to be here, you got to tell them what they're paying for. Absolutely. I mean, traditional advertisers get that information. So it's almost frustrating. It's almost like they're taking advantage of folks that don't know the space well enough to ask for those numbers. I mean, if there's no media page associated with it, or even a canned email that you can send with your download numbers, I mean, to me, that's just a no brainer and a super red flag. I, I got to say, I was surprised. I was like, you can't just sell an advertisement and not include any information. And he yeah. was like, well, you want to be on the podcast. So why does it make a difference? I'm like, well, it does make a difference. Because if you came to my house with two cars and you said, here's a Tesla and here's a Honda, which one do you want? I'm like, oh, are they both free? Well, no, you have to pay for one of them. Well, then it matters because yeah. then I'm spending money. So then it matters. I don't know. I just, that's just yeah. kind of. It, it threw me, Angie. It threw me. Well, I have one that threw me was I pitched a client and got a response back that they were interested. I had no idea it was pay to play. And basically the scheduling link was a checkout page. Oh, yeah. They don't tell you. <laughs> like, surprise. Yeah. So that's that, it. We didn't, we didn't go forward with that. I have to tell you, that also happens in traditional media. And they call themselves like... <gasps> producers and you'll have this thing booked and you think you're going to do a TV interview and then they they say okay this will be $40,000 and you're like what <laughs> whoa where are you where are you coming from with this like and this is something that i think the pay to play stuff is new when yeah. it when it comes to stuff that like it didn't used to be advertising and that's just because people aren't paying attention to advertising the way they used to because we know mm -hmm. there's no authority or credibility with it and that's why being a podcast guest without paying to be a guest is so important and yeah. there are so many you know episodes or so many podcast platforms in addition to other media that you can get without spending a dime so that's why i tend Absolutely. to turn down the pay to play stuff um, but I think what you're doing is terrific because you. you know, your stuff and you're sharing all of your information on the go pitch yourself podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be honest and I'm embarrassed to admit this to you, Angie, that I have been slacking a lot on pitching myself to podcasts. I used to do it a lot. Like a couple of years ago, I was pitching myself a lot. Yeah. Um, 
And then I just kind of stopped. And I'll still be on podcasts because people will ask me to be on their shows. But now instead of pitching, and I should just hire you to do it for me, um, because I just sounds like a perfect idea. Perfect (laughs) idea. I just don't want to spend the time to do it. Um, Now I'll I'll ask friends and I'll say, what podcast should I be on? Which podcast should I pitch? And can you make an introduction? Well, and honestly, I feel like that's the beauty of starting that ball rolling in the podcast space, because you do get to a point, it's almost like you get this kind of burst of podcast visibility, and then other podcasters start to hear you, and they're thinking, oh, Christina is totally open to being a guest on podcast. I'm going to invite her. So there's this great wave. I mean, my client's hire me for three months, and then we have the option to continue afterwards. But typically in that next three months, in the four to six, we start looking at speaking opportunities. And then we start looking at bigger podcasts because they start getting asked to be on shows and they just need me. We continue to pitch new ones, but it's just, it transitions a bit from the person who was just starting to get on podcast. So I think what you're doing is totally fine because you're still getting on shows. I mean, you and I connected and I'm going to have you on my show, you know, so it's just the natural progression. It's just start. That's what I always encourage people to do is there's all these hangups to it and just start because once you get that ball rolling, it's easier to keep it spinning. It's so true. And you knew me before we actually met face to face at podcast movement because you heard me on Pat Flynn's podcast, right? Oh, yeah. So you checked me in at his book signing. Yes. And I sat down. And yes, I was enamored to be in the room with Pat Flynn. But I was like, wait, that is Christina Nicholson. And so (laughs) you were even more enamored by that. Let's keep it real, people. I know. I'm like, Pat, can you sign this book so I can go talk to her, please? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I feel like that's the other thing is people when we're talking about relationships. And if you have known someone and they've provided value to you or you've seen them you've heard them on different podcasts, just go up to them when you're at live events and meet them because you and I clicked pretty well, pretty quickly. And then I think you vetted me through our mutual friend, Christy, because you told me that. Yes, yes. I <laughs> was like, Christy, fine. what's up with this girl? Her last name's True Blood. That's kind of badass. What's up with her? Tell me. Right, right. And she was but like, I no, think- no, she's cool. She's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the other thing is just leveraging relationships and meeting people. And But you just have to do it authentically. I mean, you know it. You do it every day, too. Um, people put so much pressure on getting this perfect pitch out. And really, it's just about connecting with people that make sense and putting that relationship first. Love it. Okay, so we can find you at Go Pitch Yourself, the podcast, Angie underscore True Blood. On Instagram. On Instagram. Where else? Yep. So my website is AngieTrueBlood.com. And there's the two ways that I work with people are listed on there. If they're looking for support specifically in the podcast space, that's on there. They can see what I offer. They can even book a time to connect with me. But yeah, those are the three main places, website, Instagram, and podcast. Awesome. And I will put all of that in the show notes so people can access that easily. Thank you so much, Angie. You're so welcome. I do have something for them if you want to share and it's specific. Yes, they need it. Give it to them. Yeah, so I have on my, um, I'm creating it just for you guys. So it's angietrueblood.com forward slash media maven. It's going to be a copy of the workflow that I use with my own clients to pitch them for podcasts. We work 
in Trello, but you can adopt it to sort of any project management system you want. And it has an audio training to go along with it just to show the different steps of pitching for podcasts because it is a pretty intense workflow. And sometimes that's what people need just to get them doing it on their own. And I always say, if all you need is a workflow to get pitching, then let me give it to you. I want more people, especially more women out there sharing their story and their gift with folks. That is so helpful. Okay, so that's at angietrueblood.com slash media maven. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Thank you, Angie. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Do not forget to head to angietrueblood.com slash media maven. Again, all of this information is in the show notes. Go pitch yourself, angie underscore trueblood on Instagram and angietrueblood.com. Folks, check her out. And I hope to see pitches from y'all soon. Email me and pitch yourself to be on my podcast. Um, And I will know if you are following Angie's roadmap, her pitching blueprint to be on the podcast. Again, you can get that at angietrueblood.com slash Media Maven. Thank you so much for joining me.